Hey everyone, Tony and John here, bringing you King's Talk, presented by Cap City Crown. Uh, like I said, as always, with me today, John. Hello, how are you? <laughs> John, so, <laughs> I, I feel like I need to work on my, my intro here, and <laughs> what I have to say. Here's Tony and John, John. Um, anyways, <laughs> we have the list of coaches. Uh, came out last week that the Kings will begin interviewing. So they did their due diligence and they selected seven candidates that they will begin interviewing over Zoom and for the first round of interviews. Um, that list consists of Mike D'Antoni, uh, Mike Brown, Steve Clifford, Mark Jackson, and then three assistant coaches at the moment in Charles Lee. Darvin Ham and Will Hardy. Um, so an interesting group of candidates right there. You got three assistants. Um, well, I guess you have more than three assistants at the moment, but three non-head coaches that are assistants. Does that makes sense. I'm trying to say Mike. Mm -hmm. No Brown prior head coaching. Yeah, no prior head coaching experience. Yeah, there you go. You said better in than the me. NBA. Yeah. I so. Guess. Interesting. No Kenny Atkinson. I think that was, a, you know, a lot of people's favorites for this head coaching gig. Um, what What do you think about Kenny Atkinson not being in this first round? Do you think it was a King's choice or do you think maybe he didn't want to, you know, deal with this mess called Sacramento Kings? Well, nothing's been like confirmed as a reason, right? Mm -mm. So, not that I've heard. I mean... Um, considering the fact that his name has been kind of floated around as a possibility for a long time, up there with Stotts as well, um, you know, just kind of as always, I think, uh, as a as a nice potential replacement, former head coach, you know. But when 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 that all of a sudden flips and he doesn't make this this kind of like, I guess it's more of a preliminary list for for the job i mean that, that that says to me that that's probably more the coach taking himself out of that and maybe it doesn't have to do mace with the with the idea that he doesn't want to be with the kings because he has a bad perception of the kings it could very well also be that he just wants to spend another year under steve kerr you know um so that's a possibility i guess I mean, Mike Brown would be basically lead assistant. I mean, they're all kind of lead assistants in a certain way there. But I mean, you know, uh, Brown's probably going to get a job. I mean, there's a good chance he 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 might get a job. I mean, like, is Atkinson like favored to get a job anywhere else? I mean, I know he's in the Lakers list, but who isn't in the Lakers list? Yeah. And so maybe he just wants to take another year. There's all sorts of things there, but I mean. He wouldn't be wrong to say uh, that it's because the Kings are, you know, have a bad track record. But also, most it doesn't seem like most of those guys are saying that. That doesn't seem to be the overwhelming majority. So I don't even know if that would really be the case. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I, I haven't thought about it hard enough yet, really. I mean, the first thing that comes out, it's just kind of like, okay, like, Especially, you know, a lot of people thought that Kenny Atkinson, who's on the top of a lot of people's lists, and here McNair doesn't even have him 
on his, you know, like first round of interviews, it's kind of interesting. And it makes you, it made me think, you know, first off, like, okay, like obviously he didn't want to do this. Um, he didn't want to come to sack, but I don't know. I, I, now I think about it a little harder. It's kind of like, are you really like do coaches, you know, assistant coaches, they really going to turn down an opportunity for a head coaching gig? I mean, Atkinson was a head coach in the past. It's not like he's trying to get his foot in the door or anything. Like he has that head coaching experience in the past. He went to a Nets team that was in shambles. Um, and I don't think they had the front office, you know, um, I guess what's the word, like the bad front office stereotype that we do. But I mean, I, I think people can see things are changing under McNair. Um, I, I'm just not sure. I, I, now that I think about it a little harder, I don't think it was personal. I don't know if it was McNair's decision, but I think if it was Atkinson's, I doubt it was because he didn't want to come here to deal with something. I just don't see, I don't see a head coach, you know, to be, you know, a candidate, head coaching candidate turning down, you know, an opportunity like that. Unless, unless he definitely has a job somewhere and he knows that if it's in LA it's in Charlotte. Um, you know, maybe he knows, but I, you know, I don't see that as being realistic. So I, I don't know. I, I don't see him. I don't see him turning down an interview, you know, but who knows? It's up to speculation at this point until we actually hear something. Yeah. I mean, if don't you think that if he would be turning down the Kings for that reason, that don't you think that like, Mark Jackson or Mike D'Antoni would be turning them down for the same reason. Wouldn't they be more prone to do that? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a great point. You got Jackson and D'Antoni. I mean, Jackson is a little mm. different. I how do you know how many interviews Jackson has had since leaving uh, Golden State? I don't think or, he's really been. I think I don't know how much he. I think he's always thrown around, but I don't think he's ever really like. This I don't know how often he's at this stage. I mean, I don't think so. It had nothing really prominent. But I mean, to be honest, it's just like, like I just like again, I, I I'm surprised Mark Jackson got an interview. He I guess he had an interview this week because it was last week they were saying he was going to get an interview. Mm. Um, and so it's like, you know, like I don't, I just don't know how that goes. You know, maybe it, it depends. He's like a real, like kind of a uh, uh you know a, a vocal leader kind of coach you know kind of like bring people together get them fighting for the same cause kind of a thing uh you know established a defensive identity from the beginning um i heard uh i know james ham was saying that uh at the time the kings hired mike malone because they felt he was the one that did that but um, I don't really see how there's any reason to say that there's not any kind of a joint agreement joint agreement there. Because, like, think about the player Mark Jackson was, you know. Mm -hmm. Wasn't he a pretty solid perimeter defender, you know? He was, yeah. a, he was a point guard. He was a leader, you know. He, 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 you know, like, those are all the qualities sometimes that you need just to be a good defender, you know, to be able to want and to put the effort in, you know. And uh, so, like, I don't, take away I like I I you know those Warriors teams like 
like I said, he, there's a reason he really put a lot of trust into Draymond. Um, and Draymond really grew with him and uh, obviously took the next step with Kerr. But, you know, that guy's just a second, second round draft pick, you know, kind of a nobody really knew what to do with him. And, uh, you know, he ends up being the starting power forward, you know. And uh, so I, I think there's like legitimacy to why Mark Jackson should be considered to be a coach. But, like, I don't know. It just doesn't really make sense, you know. I don't really know if that's something Sacramento needs to do. for Because that just seems like there's so many distractions with Mark Jackson, I feel like. Yeah. So many things to point and talk about that don't really have anything to do with basketball. And, you know, at that point, the Kings don't need that. And no. the Kings the Kings need – they need a formula. They need that culture. And that's why, you know – you either want to go with one of these guys that's like really done it. And like in Jackson's done it, but he did it for like three years. It was extraordinary work. I, I wouldn't take anything away from that, but he's also been back in TV for, you know, eight years. And like, you know, a lot of people make the point. It's like, that's, that's when you're not on a sideline for that long, especially when the game has changed so much, like that's, that's something you really have to take into account. And, um, that's almost, you know, as good of a leader as he is, you could almost make the argument and I'm not saying I would make this argument, but you could almost make the argument that that's just as much of a gamble as hiring a younger coach with like no experience, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's like, at that point, do you really want to even do that with Jackson? So like, I don't even know if he's like, I would almost put him at the bottom of that list in terms of probability, you know, like I said, I'm surprised he's there. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I don't really, I wasn't questioning what he can do as a coach until you kind of brought up the point, you know, he has been in the booth for the last eight years. He hasn't been, you know, an assistant coaching anywhere. So, I mean, I kind of trust Mark Jackson specifically for what he did in Golden State, considering, you know, how bad Golden State was. I mean, it's just basically like the Kings. It'd be the same situation. You know, terrible team, Northern California, can turn it around. Um, I didn't really think about him not being a coach for the last eight years. But, I mean, I would still trust him. But I it, it, I think it's more so, I mean, you did bring up a good point with him not being a coach. But I think for Jackson, it's just going to be, like you said, everything off the court. And those distractions. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's not something Sacramento needs right now. Um, we don't need distractions. We need a good culture. You know, he fights with the front office. Um, you, you, <laughs> and, you that's not, that, and that's not, not necessarily, like, going to happen. But it's just, like, it's more like, it's just, like, I don't know. Like, there's, like, personal stuff about him, you know, yeah. his, like, religious beliefs mm-hmm. and his um, beliefs about, like, uh, you know, the LGBTQ community and all that stuff. Um, and you know it's like at, is at that point the conversation's being brought up and i just don't think that's something sacramento's going to end up doing i mean unless he makes a great point i mean again it you always you always say that it's going to come down to mcnair making the right decision and trusting mcnair to do that and i mean maybe he does I maybe mean, this guy's such a good you know talker um uh, McNair will be swayed to 
give him the reins. But, you know, I, again, I just don't know. And, yeah, it's just, you know, you're just better served getting an established guy or, you know, uh, a, a guy that comes from a, one of those coaching trees, you know, that we were talking about last mm-hmm. week, coming from a good system, you know, being steeped in something that, that is actually proven and legitimate. And, I mean, that's what Sacramento needs, right? It's that, that um, what was the word Harrison Barnes used? Stability, uh, st- or stability, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, you need that. You need that foundation, that structure, and so Jackson just probably isn't the most secure thing. That would be a gamble, again, like I said. Yeah, he's definitely he'd be the wild card pick for sure. Um, I don't see it happening. <laughs> I mean, it'd be interesting if it did, but yeah, I, I think he's. I don't think it's going to happen. Interested that he got an interview. Uh, interested to see how it went, if we ever will. But, yeah, that's uh, that's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really do hope that Mark Jackson gets a job somewhere. And I do think that he can. I just don't think Sacramento is just it, – it doesn't it doesn't make sense. No, yeah. no, not in Sac. Mm-mm. And he might just be – toying with the idea i don't know how serious he is i mean like i'm sure he's he wants to do it um but you know that tv job is a good job yeah 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 Yeah. but um yeah another big name on that list uh mike d'antoni and um he he had ties to mcnair back in houston obviously they were both in houston at the same time but uh sam amick reported that McNair and D'Antoni actually kind of had a, like a closer relationship. Um, McNair mm. used to used to give D'Antoni some analytics information. You know, he'd like meet face to face, and I guess that kind of became a little more of a personal relationship um, as well as professional. But you know, they kind of got to know each other. So I heard they have a unique relationship. Uh, they know each other personally. So I wonder if that could be a decision in hiring D'Antoni possibly because you know people like to hire people they know um right. and, and and not saying D'Antoni's not you know worthy of anything because of course D'Antoni is has a great resume probably the best resume out of anyone on this list uh, considering he coached those Rockets teams and those uh Suns teams back in the mid-2000s <laughs> It'd be fun to see what Dan Tony can do with Fox and Sabonis, but that would be primetime uh, television. It would be primetime, and people Mc- would be staying up late in the East Coast again. Uh, McNair, if we get Dan Tony, McNair is gonna need to get busy getting some shooters, and he's gonna need to get some shooters, not quick, but he's he's gonna need to get them to surround Fox and Sabonis because, I mean, yeah, Dan Tony. The Suns teams and those Rockets teams, they thrived by having, you know, Nash and Harden at the middle and being able to kick it out to, you know, uh, guys who could hit the deep ball. So 3 and D guys for sure if you get D'Antoni. I think 3 and D guys in general, but that's beside the point. Um, I think if you want to be successful with D'Antoni, you have to get those shooters. But, oh, man, he I, he could he could transform Fox and, you know, take him to the next level like he did with Harden. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would there'd be no doubt that 
there would be at least one all-star on the on the Kings. Yeah. And um it would probably be Fox with D'Antoni. Um for sure. Um but the thing first of all with the the relationship with McNair because he's been thrown around a lot for possibly taking over for and I don't know where this is at right now, but I know it's been talked about and it it's been kind of a rumor for a while that hasn't died. So uh the the idea that D'Antoni takes over in Philadelphia with Daryl Morey, but you know, <laughs> you know, I guess you get to really find out if <laughs> maybe you get to really find out uh who who he liked more, you know. Uh, yeah, where he goes, but it, it might not have so much to do with Maury in Philadelphia. And it might have more to do with James Harden, but you know, James Harden is not necessarily, is he the, I mean, how old is James Harden right now? Um, I mean, I'm assuming he's at least like early thirties, probably 32, 33. Yeah, he's, 30, he's going to be 33 in August. Okay. So, I mean, you know, as long as he comes into camp in shape, you know, they could yeah. probably cook up some good stuff. Um, and I'm sure that would be a good matchup and, uh, I mean, a good pairing again, but, um, you know, I, like we were saying, and I've been making this point, it's like with the Fox and Sabonis thing, like that's a real chance to, 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 you know, uh, that's a, that's a selling point for the Kings for many of these coaches, you know, like that's a reason it's appealing, you know, there's an appeal to this job that hasn't been there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I feel like by adding in Dan Tony, you get an added benefit of not only having really a high powered offense, but you have the 70 year old coach who's still got a fire under him that has a lot of experience, like you said, and he can then be a, a selling point, you know, uh, in a way for those three and D guys, the lengthy guys, the shooters that you were talking about and bringing them in because, you know, especially if you're talking about getting, you know, guys in free agency and whatnot, maybe more veteran guys, guys that have been in the league for a little bit, you know, um, maybe those guys are more tempted to play under, you know, a guy like D'Antoni rather than, you know, the, the new coach that hasn't been proven as much or someone like uh, Clifford or Brown who are still really good candidates for the job. But, you know, D'Antoni has that, I mean, He's got, he's got the, he's been around the longest, you know, that really Mm -hmm. says something that might say, you know, more than, you know, most other stuff. So it'd be interesting. And I feel like it could be a beneficial thing. Um, but it depends, you know, it depends, I guess. Um, you know, that the, the thing is they might want to go more with a defensive standpoint. And I mean, you assemble a good enough staff. You never know. You kind of already are building um, good defensive habits with a few guys. And, um, you know, you get a good training camp with some of these guys and uh, a good all-around coaching staff. You know, like this defense isn't going to be terrible. That's for sure. You know, I just don't think that that's going to happen. You know, and they have a chance to be good, you know. So that might not even matter. So Dan Tony to me, when you start narrowing it down, I mean, like he's, his name starts to make a lot of sense, but like I said, Brown and Clifford aren't really, it's, it's hard to argue against those guys either, you know? Yeah. And piggybacking off of some of the points you just made, um, you're talking about the Sixers and 
possibly Doc Rivers, you know, getting the can in Philly, and of course Maury's connection to and Harden's connection to D'Antoni. Do you think there is a possibility that D'Antoni might be using the Kings as leverage? Um to, you know, show that oh, like I might I might be going to sack. Like you better get rid of Rivers soon or you know, I might be going somewhere. I know the you know the Sixers are still in the playoffs right now and probably move on to the second round, but uh I mean it's it happened before, you know, when Iguodala was saying that he was gonna sign with the Kings and he basically just used the Kings as leverage to get a contract with oh, yeah. Golden State again. Com- so do you Very see common. that as a possibility? Uh maybe, I don't know. I mean, I feel like um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much you need to leverage at that point as a coach, you know, um, it, it might just come down to, you know, because I don't know, maybe rivers takes the, you know, Sixers to the finals or something. I don't know. You True. know, it's like, you never know what's going to happen. And, uh, I guess the one thing is, is it's a timetable. Cause if, you know, the Kings start winding down a decision, which I don't know when that's going to happen. I mean, I still feel like that's several weeks away, mm-hmm. probably. But, you know, like, you know, the timing, I guess, would be interesting. But in terms of leverage, I don't know so much because I feel like the leverage thing, you're kind of doing that to increase, like, the offer and whatnot. And I, I, I feel like, like, wherever D'Antoni's going to go, I don't feel like he really needs to vie for leverage, you know? Um Maybe he does. It could be, but I'm not 100% sure that a guy like that, that's going to be something that he would be interested in doing. Maybe. I don't know. No, that's true. I mean, he's a, you know, one of the best coaches of our generation, you can argue. And he's 70. It's a good point. I don't know if D'Antoni needs to be, you know, playing this game at this point in his career. But like, like you said as well. I don't know. <laughs> we we don't know. Um, we've been hurt in the past, and so it's something that Kings fans have to think about. But yeah. well, the one thing we do know about D'Antoni is that offense would be uh, crazy. That offense would be crazy, and people worried like, okay, like you know, we have offense, we're good on offense, like this defense. Yeah, but D'Antoni, though, from what I hear as well, is that he brings in. Well, not just here, but you know, in the past. He, he he does have a good track record of hiring good assistant coaches and, you know, mm-hmm. defensive specialists to fill in that gap that he's not too good in. And those Rockets teams actually didn't have the worst offensive ratings, like you might think. They're actually, I think in that one year. Or the defensive ratings? Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, did I say were, offensive? Yeah, in 2017-2018, um, they uh, defensively were sixth in the league. Yeah, and I think D'Antoni's last year there, they were fourteenth, uh, so they were in the top half. I mean, top half's top half, right? I mean, the <laughs> a great dream, you know, a dream I have. I think a lot of people do. It's <laughs> I would love to get D'Antoni, and then hire Clifford as the assistant. Wouldn't that that'd be great? Where is Clifford right now? He's like consulting in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, I feel like, but does Clifford come out of that job to to be under? No, somebody? of course not. But wouldn't that be great? Because Clifford. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like that's dream team stuff there. You know? Yeah, I mean, segueing to Clifford a little. Unless you have more to say on D'Antoni. 
No, that's about it. That's about but, you know. But Clifford, hi, he, he's if you want a guy who's going to bring good defense and instill a good defensive culture, that's that guy right there. I know he's not like the the coolest name or you know the most appealing name, but that dude knows how to coach a defense. And I mean, if people are talking defense so much, I the more I look at Clifford, the more I'm a little more interested. And kind of like trying to tell myself, like, okay, like, I get he's not like the funnest like option, but I, he's not a bad, he's not a bad choice at the end of the day. I, I don't, I mean, of course, I still want to see De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis under Dan Tony, right? But I mean, Clifford, he did some wonders with those Magic teams and their defense, um, with not like any defensive stars on their team. They're in the, I think the top 10 of the league uh, most of those times. So oh, it, it is interesting. It would, he would, sounds like, turn around our defense, you know, in the flick of a switch. So mm-hmm. he definitely has that appeal when we when we talk defense. And obviously that's what's been killing the Kings for ever, it seems like. Right. Yeah, I feel like Clifford makes a lot of sense just from like a practical standpoint. In the same way uh, Mike Brown does. But, you know, it, I mean, I, it, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if you're making the argument that, like, you know, uh, you don't need Mike D'Antoni because the offense is already pretty good. Um, well, then Clifford's the great, that's the, that's the person you pivot to there, you know, because. Mm-hmm he's going to just come in and he's going to really like provide a solid presence, stable presence and bring that defensive uh, foundation there and add to it. And uh, that I can I can see that working out great because I mean, like you think about the system of the Kings with Sabonis and Fox, what they were doing this uh, when they were playing together at the end of the year, you know, like that's just going to, that's going to be something that, the offense is going to adapt to, you know, and that's going to be most very, I would imagine uh, not far off from the thing we see going forward. I mean, you just add some shooters in that and that's, I mean, they were already scoring with the best of them in a lot of cases right before the uh, injuries took both of them down, you know, and, you know, to be able to do that over a full season with a few more shooters, they're going to be a really, really good offense without Mike D'Antoni, you know, with with just some guy off the street coaching, they're going to be very good offensively. Just with m- mostly the fact that Sabonis is there in the center a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you have to think about. I mean, like we're going to get to more Popovich type guys, but it's like the Popovich like philosophy is like know your weaknesses, and um, you know. Uh, so if you know your weaknesses, you can you can you can you can you know, do the right thing to fix that. And it's like, if the Kings want to be like something like whatever is happening in San Antonio over these last, you know, several, several years over, you know, (laughs) forever. um, Several decades. Yeah. uh, You know, like start with that. And, you know, Clifford's not a, not a bad option at that point, but um, you know, just considering what you have here, it makes a lot of sense to go that route. And, you know, Clifford in particular with the defense. 
Yeah, the, it's that defense really appealing. His offense, um, not the greatest, not not really good at all. Um, I mean, the Kings have Fox and Sabonis, but you know, there of course there would be a worry if that offense could fall off. Um, if Clifford did become the coach, would you would you have that? I guess worry if Clifford came in. Um, not a hundred percent. I mean, not, not really. I mean, that's why I feel like Brown has become kind of the favorite for a lot of people because, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, the, the, the track record on both ends of the floor is a little better with Brown, I guess, than Clifford, but I don't really worry about like the offense. Like they're going to, he's going to, he's going to bring with them a good staff. And he's going to have good offensive minds on the on the sideline as well. And like I said, I mean, that Sabonis-Fox pairing with, with shooters and just some of the guys that you saw around them, you know, like that's a, that's a really good offense. I mean, that's like, again, like that's hard not to do well. These guys got together um, and in their first game were playing like crazy, you know, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, the first night Sabonis played. And, you know, it's just like they're doing that. And then eventually six new guys and, you know, they didn't make the play. And I don't really think that was ever going to happen. It's really hard to do that when half the team's new. But considering all the circumstances, like they did pretty well up until the injury. I mean, like they right before the injury, they were like, you know, forget about the play. And they were playing well, you know, and um it just seemed like they were just a few defensive stops near the end of the game. Like that's all you had to do limited mistakes in the end of the game. You just start nailing down those things, you know, and that's something great. Something great is happening there potentially, you know? And so Clifford makes a lot of sense. Brown makes a lot of sense. You know, it's again, you have to think about what the weaknesses are here. And I guess that's kind of why, you know, D'Antoni, again, is exciting, but it's just like, that's why you have to just kind of come down to being a little more um, level-headed here. Mm-hmm. Very true. And D'Antoni, I mean, yeah, he's the most exciting person on this list by far. I mean, I guess Jackson's a little interesting. You can say exciting, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I like what you're saying. You point out your weakness, find your weakness. Obviously, it's our defense, and you got to fix that if you want to get better. Um, and, yeah, the people that would lead that case would not be D'Antoni. It would probably be Brown, Clifford for sure, and I guess maybe Mark Jackson, if you consider him a serious candidate. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Jackson – I mean, yeah, it's not Jackson. Brown and, Brown and Clifford, they – They'll definitely help on that end of the floor. I don't know. It's Monte's checking it out. I mean, I trust him. Right. And then there's also our our three assistants. You know, I mean, like there's Mike Brown again. I mean, we've kind of touched upon it. You know, like he's got a pretty good track record. He spent the last six years under Steve Kerr. Um, he's been on a sideline. He's been a part of a good system. You know, um. Uh, there's not really a lot of bad things you could say. You could maybe just say the LeBron, well, his success came from LeBron, but 
you know, before things started getting weird in Los Angeles, he had that one good season. He wasn't bad, you know. Um, he usually has his teams playing well on both ends of the floor. It's hard not to 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 consider Mike Brown a serious serious option. And but again, these these three assistants, all in their own way, have that kind of Popovich connection. Uh, Ham and Lee through Budenholzer, um, and then uh, Will Hardy's just completely saturated in that San Antonio system came up in it from the, from, you know, being an intern. Yeah. On the ground uh, up and, you know, assistant video coordinator to video coordinator to assistant coach, you know, and then, you know, with all the experience he had with Ime Yudoka um, in San Antonio, I think they coached, they were on the staff for like the national team one year or something. Mm-hmm. and uh you know followed him to to boston and you know i guess you know i feel like you always want to save him for last but since we're talking about him um he's he seems like the type of guy that um you know that would be a really big gamble for this king's organization to get a 34 year old with no prior head coaching experience. He did coach for like, you know, three years, uh, the the summer league team for the Spurs. Um, but, you know, you're kind of like, you're kind of throwing a guy in that you're maybe don't have a, like, like I don't know. Are you like giving him 100% of your faith and just being like giving him all your blind trust, this new guy? Um, I, I mean, it it's not a bad option if you're going to do that with anybody. It makes a lot of sense, obviously. Look at a lot of the success that comes from some of these, you know, San Antonio coach, uh, coaches that come from the San Antonio system, you know, uh, Budenholzer, Udoka, uh, you know, uh, uh, Brett Brown was the coach for Philadelphia. Um, and when he started out there, things were kind of weird and whatnot. I mean, like, he's still a good coach. Um, uh, I'm thinking... Atkinson like, came uh, out of the Budenholzer tree. Yeah. And again, it's like that, too. It's like the nice extension there. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know... Um, and at that point, it's like, well, Hardy, it's like, man, if anybody's going to work as, like, a young coach, you know, and be like, you know, a guy that you can just kind of throw into the middle of it, you know, it would be him. But it's like, do you make that gamble with talking about Clifford and, you know, Brown? It's like, is that really what you want to do? Considering too, that it's like what I just said, I was saying earlier, it's like, you have to think about the offensive foundation of this team right now. It's really promising. Yeah. I mean, Hardy, he's going to, I mean, as of any as any of these candidates will have to do, we'll have to go in basically just throwing out the game plan and really wild McNair. But I mean, shoot, if we if Hardy's the real guy, the real deal, and McNair sees it, I mean, it, it is a gamble. But I mean, isn't that always the dream? Getting that that nice thirty four year old coach that can coach this team for you know twenty years. I mean, I'm a Rams fan, and so like. I see Sean McVay right there. The Rams got him at like 31 years old and, you know, two Super Bowl appearances in a ring and coach of the year. I mean, obviously that's not going to happen every time. And 
you know, there's a, a lot of those times that these young guys get hired and, and you know, it doesn't pan out, but it's always, it's always the goal, right? But it is hard. It's hard taking a chance on these young guys, like, or even these assistant coaches where you don't, you know, they have no track record. They have no resume. You don't, you know, it is hard. I mean, Hardy, it's, it's hard for Hardy, right? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it would be, it would be a gamble. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it is a gamble. I think it's a gamble with any of the assistant coaches with uh, Lee or Ham. So, mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I mean, you could make the argument that again, like a lot of people, when you when you, when you talk to the not talk to, but you you hear what people that have been around Hardy say, and you even hear what Hardy says sometimes, and it's like. You know, the guy, he's a good culture guy, you know. He understands the process of an organization, you know. He was basically allowed into film sessions and, you know, like, you don't just work your way up for nothing, you know. Mm -hmm. And, like, all the things you're learning along the way. Uh, When he started out as an intern, it was like, you started as an intern, that's not a guaranteed thing at all. And, you know, like... It's just a, it's a, this, it says a lot that he's, he's at this point. And it's not like this is his first time being in like head coaching conversations. Like he was thrown around, you know, for like the Knicks job a couple of years ago, uh, Thunder, the Pacers, all three of these uh, assistant coaches that don't have head coaching experience were kind of all in the mix for those, you know? So it's like he's right up in there. It's like he's younger, um, not too much younger than, Charles Lee, but, uh, you know, like, you know, he, he, he makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways, but again, it's like, you have to come down to like, what are the Kings missing? And I, I, you know, I guess you could flip that around and be like, well, they're missing that, 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 uh, foundational, uh, you know, that, that culture, you know, and, uh, that's true. And you could get that, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know if that, that, that you're going to, they have a good thing going. It's obviously not complete, but it's not like they're in a place where they were. So this is not the team that was playing midway through the season, you know, in like December, you know, this isn't that team. Yeah. Obviously well, you're not promised anything, but you know, it's like, do you really need to take that like blindfolded swing for the fences? Yeah, Will Hardy probably wouldn't have been a little easier to choose, you know, back when we hired Walton. Even though the Kings were, at that point, in my eyes, like, promising. It, it's just so much different now, having an all-star and a borderline all-star of that team. Like, it, you, you can't mess it up, and McNair knows that. I mean, I believe this is his last year on his contract. I don't think he is going to get fired. Um, after this season, I think he'll get extended just for getting some bonus. But I mean, who knows? I mean, if he hires a coach, if he hires Will Hardy and Hardy just bombs and the Kings, you know, finish in the same predicament that they did this year. I don't know. Do you, do you bring back McNair? It's probably on McNair's mind a little. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't see that happening. But I don't know. It's this is Sacramento. This is basketball hell. Anything can happen. So, yeah, Hardy definitely isn't a safe chance. Neither none of the assistants are. So, I, I think they'll really have to blow away McNair if they if they're going to get this head coaching job for mm-hmm. I guess that reason specifically. But also, like like I said, you you have a good thing going here. Hardy would Hardy any of the assistants. It's a good for like an up and coming team, you know. Like you you've said in past episodes, like someone you want to build with, build a team around. That's just someone that they're gonna have to throw in there, and they're gonna be expecting playoffs in the first season. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they, as they should. Yeah, it, it's playoffs next year, and that's the ultimate goal by getting some bonus is like we have a legit direction, and that's playoffs or bust now. I mean, the, I mean, even the playing, I think, is going to be. I mean, I don't know. Playing as an eight seed won't be that upsetting. Playing's kind of dumb, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have big expectations, and they're not gonna be able to bomb. And I don't know. That, that is a big chance to take on any of those three. Yeah, I mean, you have to give. I I have to give some credit to to Darvin Ham. I mean, the guy's been a. He's you know he's he came into the league as a player in nineteen ninety six. Um, and then he's been coaching ever since the end of his playing career. Uh, he started as an assistant in the D league. Then he was a head coach in the D league. He was also GM, uh, in the, of the D league team, which I mean, that's not like, that that's crazy, funny. but, um, I didn't even know yeah, there were I mean, general managers. Like I know. And I was trying to look up how common it was that the coach is the same thing as the general manager. And I don't know if it's like never been heard of, but I don't think it's like super common. You know, That's but he was funny. that for like two years. And, That's cool. Um, I think I also read in like there's like an LA Times piece about him because he was an assistant coach for the for Mike Brown. That's how he that was his first assistant coaching job in the NBA. Um, he got on that LA staff for two years, and um, and so he was I guess under D'Antoni for a second there. Then at the end, yeah. Um, but uh, so. Uh, they said that he was also like, because he played, I think, one year in the D League, um, which is now the G League now. So everybody knows uh, the D League. <laughs> I hear everybody say that. Every whenever they mention the D League, they're like uh, the D League, which is the G League now. You know, everybody has to say that. Like, I mean, like, I feel like that's common knowledge, right? But I don't know. <laughs> it should be. Nah, that's beside the point. But uh, you know, they said that he was a player's coach, like Jackie Moon or something, like two thirds of Jackie Moon. <laughs> Um, and but like for one year, I think like 06, 07, or maybe it was 07, 08, whatever his like last playing, you know, year was. And then he got that assistant job with that same D league team, yada, yada, Mike Brown. And then he, he came with, uh, in 2013 to Atlanta with Budenholzer. And, you know, he, like he was, uh, he took over coaching duties for a game in January, um, for Budenholzer when he tested positive for COVID. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, he, he said something like they were asking him about being like nervous or whatever. And he's just like, he just knows he's a good coach. He's really respected by players as far as everybody's concerned. Um, he just, you know, he's been under Budenholzer. So he's part of that coaching tree that branches out from Popovich. Um, and you know he just he he learns from that you know he he talks about you know simplifying things uh emphasizing the right stuff having a positive approach to things 
you know, he's he's just a he seems like a really good guy, and he's like really renowned for his player development, and um, you know, he seems like a, a decent option. But again, it's like the thing that you apply to Hardy, you have to kind of apply equally, and it's just like Ham. I don't know. I mean, like in terms of experience, out of these three, he has the most, um, and he would be a good players coach, um, and I'm sure that he would assemble a good staff. Um, but you know, you know, I don't know. But then again, with Charles Lee, just to throw him in there, there's not as much experience with him. He never played in the NBA. He did play in like the summer league and get invited to training camp, uh, with the Spurs. Um, so that's how he met Mike Budenholzer when he was an assistant there, um, in, in summer league and in training camp. Uh, and so then he played four years overseas um, and then ended his career early, um, took two years away from basketball, and then he got a job um, doing uh, assistant coaching at his alma mater, which I think was Bucknell. And then uh, he got a job on Budenholzer's staff. Uh, his old friend Budenholzer called him up because when he was trying to get back into basketball, um, he you know, had asked Budenholzer if he had any college connections because he wanted to, you know, start get started off in college. And Budenholzer didn't have any connections. But I guess he just was like, well, I'll just give him a couple of years or whatever he's doing, and then I'm going to bring him along, you know, when I get my job. I guess he didn't really have foresight of that, but you know what I mean. Uh, he brought him in in his second year in Atlanta. But it's like at that point, it's like, you know, beyond that, it's like there's not much else to say. He's like – good communicator another good kind of player development guy positive kind of like respected and liked by the players um but less experienced than darvin ham and not as much i think um you know he's not as soaked in like the popovich which you know that's that's right from the source baby you know like like will hardy he's been <laughs> bathing in, in in the nectar of the gods you know in a way <laughs> <laughs> so it's like at that point it's like no offense to charles ham but it's like i mean not uh charles ham charles lee um <laughs> you know i just feel like he kind of falls out at this point you know but uh yeah i mean he was you know they say that he has a really special way of connecting with people like uh this guy jamar wilson was on his team in when he was playing in germany one year or one of the two years he played in germany they said he just like has a way with connecting with anybody and like that guy's playing overseas. Like you're getting that kind of like, you know, people are, you're renowned for that. as this like American expat working over there. Basically. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a, that says a lot, but again, it just kind of falls short regarding these three in the big picture, especially him. Do you think this is a thought I just had. If you hire Darvin ham, do you think Charles Lee follows him, the sack? I mean, that's um, that's what happened with Will Hardy. He followed Aimee Yudoka, who was an assistant coach. They're an assistant coach together, and um, you know, and that's what happened with Ham and or were Ham and Lee in San Antonio with Budenholzer and Popovich? You know, uh, no, just that Lee. Oh, okay. The only connection that Lee had was he uh, was. In, summer league and training camp oh, okay well then i can't use and that hand, as an example yeah. but you know hardy followed yudoka over um 
I mean, obviously, Lee's a little more seasoned and seems like he's on the brink of a head coaching gig. But, I mean, so was Hardy. Mm -hmm. You said he was being interviewed or thought about for, you know, Knicks or OKC job. So, you don't, and that sound like you didn't think that was good. It could, it could, it it could, I feel like that could happen. But, I mean, I just feel like, I don't know, it does, I feel like if anybody of these people on these, these, this, this list, seven coaching candidates if any of them are going to go coach for like be an assistant on another one's staff i guess maybe that's the most probable outcome um but i don't know i feel like you got a good thing going in milwaukee you're learning a lot there couldn't hurt uh to keep doing that but again i don't know maybe he convinces his old pal to come could happen like i said if anything's going to happen of that sort out of these seven um, it'd probably be that, but I wouldn't, you know, rule it out completely, you know? Yeah. Just a thought I had thinking about Hardy and Udoka and Udoka. Yeah. I, I wish the Kings got him in the Luke Walton time, but mm. oh, well, um, yeah, maybe you have another chance with Hardy. Just, just go on. Yeah. It's very true. I mean, anyone you can't. Doesn't hurt coming from the Popovich slash Budenholzer tree. Any any of those guys, I think, are good options. And uh, you know, all three assistants are rightfully from them, or they probably wouldn't be getting the consideration like other mm-hmm. assistants would. So um, I don't know. They're I mean, kind of like Jackson. They're kind of going that wild card um, category a in bit. a way, a little bit. It's um, a gamble. It's a it is a gamble. You you, you just don't know. You don't know what they can do. They're inexperienced as head coaches. And, you know, when you have Brown and D'Antoni and Jackson and Clifford, we'll all have, you know, success in taking their teams to the postseason, regardless of their track record there. Um, you know, they've done it. They've shown results. They were put in position. They did it. You know, Ham, Lee, and Artie, something they're going to have to prove. And it's, it's, are we... As kings, as the kings, I'm going to say we, as in the kings, because I believe fans are part of <laughs> the franchise in a way. Um, is McNair, is he, is he willing to take that risk? And will they convince him enough to let him take a risk like that? I don't mm-hmm. know. I, obviously, you don't have an answer to that. but Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I think if they hired Hardy, I would say that, like, from an outside perspective, I feel like that's, like, I, it's not a bad hire. It's just risky. Yeah. Um, and I, that's why, I, so I just don't know if it's 100% likely. But, you know, I mean, if anybody is going to, you're all going to have, they're going to have uh, ample opportunity to make their case to say what kind of, you know, ways they want to go about things and, uh, you know, and who they're going to bring in and what their ideas are. It's going to be a very, you know, like two way street with all these kind of interviews and these considerations. So the chance is up to them. And at the end of the day, I mean, like of those three non-experienced assistants, it's just like, I mean, Hardy, you know, comes from straight from the source, baby. You know, I'm going to keep saying it. (laughs) So that's, that's, it's hard not to just reach for that. Yeah. I mean, all seven make, you know, their cases. um, And they're all interesting, all interesting candidates. And I, you know, you can't go wrong with any of them, I think. But 
obviously there's going to be better ones than others. So, um, I will see what happens. I mean, that's all we can do now. Is just wait and see. Like, Aaron's doing the interviews, and I guess we'll yeah, find I mean, out. I guess, I guess, as the since you're the fan ambassador here, um, uh, yeah, not to put you on the spot, uh, if you had to rank these seven in terms of like desire would you be able to do that yeah i mean maybe as myself like i don't know, like a fan yeah you don't have to speak for the fans i mean i'm not saying that i mean like how are you gonna be able to do that okay let me let me not even as a fan per se because like being a fan like there's a, there's like the like the logical side of me and like the excited side of me so i'm gonna mm-hmm. rank them in like how i'd seem like interesting and like okay like my excitedness if we hire these people i think number one would be d'antoni um i I mean it seems so lame but uh, i just that offense that offense would be crazy number two would probably be hardy just because like i I think that age he's like 34 i don't know something about it he comes from popovich um, you know, what the Celtics did this year with the first year coach in Udoka and Hardy was Udoka's right hand man. So I don't know. I, I think it'd be really interesting. And if they really found that gym in Hardy, then that's a guy that can last you a long time if, you know, there's no turmoil. Number three, um, probably, probably Mark Jackson. Just because it's Mark Jackson, right? It just mm-hmm. it'd be exciting in a way. It's like okay, Mark Jackson hasn't been in the league eight years. He's a, he's kind of like a polarizing figure. So it's I think that's a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, that's the excitement for that. And we saw what he did to Golden State. He turned him around like like that. I mean, he had one bad season, and then he was in the playoffs the next two years, um, and, and a terrible Golden State team. Like I said, it's like reminiscent of the Kings right now. So Jackson would be interesting for a ton of reasons. And I think we all know those reasons, right? And then kind of after that, probably uh, probably Mike Brown. I think like between Brown and Darvin Ham, um, you know, they're like Darvin's the assistant. You know, he's like another guy you want to take a risk on. Like it's always fun trying to find those like non like previous head coaches. It's like, okay, like, it's just, you know, it's it's a time to show their worth, right? I mean, it's not like any of these guys have won rings. And like, it's not like we're trying to, like, hire Steve Kerr or something like that. That Like, he would be number one for sure. But in this list of candidates, it's kind of like, okay. Like, they're all good coaches, but, I mean, you know, no rings under any of them. So, um, so yeah, probably Ham, Brown. They're, they're probably tied around fourth place. Uh, you know, you you know what you're gonna get from Brown. Good on both sides of the ball, but just not as exciting as it like as D'Antoni. Yeah, he's been to the finals. Um, the only coach of these candidates that that have that has been to the finals, but you know, you still question how much of his success came from LeBron, and then how much of his success came from Kobe when he went to LA. So. There's those question marks, but he was under Kerr. He's been under Kerr for quite some time. So, you know, that's probably, a, you know, a newer coaching tree that will probably start getting some candidates hired. I mean, it got Walton hired, right? So, mm-hmm. 
Um, How'd that work out? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. That's a, that's a good point. But then, and then you got probably Clifford, just because of his defense, and then Lee. I just don't know a lot about Lee. It doesn't seem like yeah. Lee's on the top of anyone's list, really. So I'd like rank Lee last. And considering that Ham seems like the better candidate out of those two Milwaukee assistants, it's kind of like okay. Well, like really, if Ham's in this deal and he seems like the better option, then like, why are we looking at Lee? But I, I get it. You gotta do your due diligence. You you know, if he can be a head coach, he can, he can be a head coach. So, but that's why I have Lee at the bottom because we already have Ham up there, and it's uh, like from an outsider perspective and not knowing too much about these guys, it's almost like they're the same people, and Ham mm-hmm. seems like the better candidate. So. Lee kind of just automatically drops to the bottom. I don't know if that's fair, but that's how it is. It's just, it's just kind of, I mean, of those three, like we said, it's just like least experience, least to kind of go off of. Yeah. Um, but positive nonetheless. I mean, I know like a, an anonymous scout said it's just a matter of time until he gets a head coaching job, but he's not getting the compliments that someone like Darvin Ham is at least getting, which from uh, another unnamed person said to, that ham might be almost overqualified to be a head coach. So it's like, there's that's a huge split there. And, um, you know, Lee doesn't offer that and he doesn't offer a lot of the, uh, glittering promise of, uh, someone like Will Hardy or mm-hmm. any of the stability guys, like, um, the older experienced coaches kind of on the other side of the list. Yeah. Yeah, very true. But um, but it'd be interesting. Yeah. A lot that's, of good choices. I I mean, you could almost make the argument that it's not a bad choice of the bunch. Yeah, that's that's how I feel at the moment. Like, I'm, I don't have anything against any. I mean, of these maybe guys. Jackson. I still I just don't think that they, that's gonna happen, and I just true. don't know that that would mix well. I it's almost like it's not gonna happen, and like the only reason mm-hmm. I can see Jackson getting this job is if like he's like just a change person he's like if it's just basketball he's just like let's just stick to basketball because on that standpoint he's got a lot i mean that's like why he's got so much allure you know in the first place exactly that that off the court stuff it just it has to be a Mm non-factor but it's almost like especially as like a progressive team fans are if fans are gonna say there's gonna be fans that say stuff and you have to you're gonna always deal with that and so at the end of the day that's just not something that i feel like they'd want to put up with nor really anything i don't think anybody would really want to even like the kings especially i feel like you there's a level of fragility with the sacramento kings you know they they're they're essentially hold held together by scotch tape right now until like they can solidify things so like you don't want to do anything to drop the ball here no no you you can't and yeah, <laughs> good point. They're and it's tape. like if you hire one of these younger guys, and like I feel like the risk, and I don't think there's a lot of risk involved in Mark Jackson. Again, I just don't think it makes sense. But it's like if you hire like someone like Will Hardy, and it doesn't work out, and he gets fired like after a year or two or somewhere in between. You know, it's like I, there's still some potential there to kind of right the ship. I mean, like you can somehow get the ship back to port and fix it. It's like with Mark Jackson, I feel like that thing's gonna sink out at sea. Mm-hmm. You know, like that just has a chance to if it doesn't go well, that doesn't that that really goes bad. But I don't know. That's just kind of guessing at that point. But I just did again at the end of the day, it doesn't make sense. 
No. The Jackson, I think in like realistic standpoint, he's at the bottom of the list. Um mm-hmm. I just don't see it happening, but you know, he he has an interview, so he's definitely in the race at, at the very least. So mm-hmm. I guess it could happen, but I mean if he, he's in there and Kenny Atkinson isn't, uh that's saying something, I suppose. But Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it'll be fun. The Zoom interviews. You ever done a Zoom interview? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, it's fun. It you ever, did you wear? Were you wearing pants? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually was wearing pants, but I also did a phone interview one time, and I was not wearing much. So, oh man, come on, keep it. This is it's a family <laughs> show. <laughs> Yes, but um, yeah, they're whatever. I, I think it's you know it's the way the future. So most people are used to them now. Um, I know the future, I, the future is no pants. The, yeah, it's a pantsless future. I like it. But All right, let's hope that's not the king's future. Let's hope that's not the king's future. Hopefully, they can get some pants and um, hire a good coach. But if there's nothing else, John, nothing else. I think that covers it. That's, that's all. That's all there is to talk about these days. That's, that's it. Coaches, coaches, and more coaches. So until next time, Satoni and John bringing you Kings Talk by Cap City Crown. Have a good one.